Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Summer Heat Wave. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, here with my brothers, Michael and Jason Petrop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We are going over 32 teams in 32 days. That's right. Every single team, every single fantasy viable player in the stratosphere will be talked about during this series. And this is what we do every week. Uh, tune into us, the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast and BrotoFantasy.com. Every single week we go over every single fantasy viable player, their outlook. We give you advice on who to sit and who to start. And we win championships, period. Sorry, just can't put it any other way. We win championships. Um, BrotoFantasy.com, if you want extra episodes, we have extra episodes coming besides the heat wave, and that is on Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy. So let's start with our first episode. It is a team that is near and dear to our hearts, uh, a team that we root for, a team that we've grown up to love and loathe, the New York football Jets. Oh, yeah, the Jetropolitans. So let's get right into our first category, which is the offensive outlook. We are going to be looking at every single coach and how that's going to affect the fantasy outlook. Um, the new coaches really are what we're going to be looking for, because if you have the same coach, then you can expect more of the same unless that coach is constantly innovating, in which case, uh, hello, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, it's nice to see you. Otherwise, it's basically going to be the same thing if you have the same coach. The Jets have the same coach, Adam Gase at head coach, Dowell Loggins in his second season as offensive coordinator. Now, the Gase system is something that New Yorkers love to hate on uh, all the not time. Just New Yorkers. Guy, not just New Yorkers. Yeah, the, fa- the favorite guy to hate on is Adam Gase. He's known for being conservative, but actually was a- 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 about a percentage point above the league, a- league average in deep throws last season. Um, again, this guy... Not the best record as a, as a head coach, but hasn't had healthy quarterbacks when he has had healthy quarterbacks in general over 500. Same thing last year. Darnold 7-6 and six with the Jets when he was healthy. A lot of people forget that Ryan Tannehill actually missed half of his games as a Miami Dolphin. So uh, never got the chance to get into a groove as a Dolphin. Um, what are your guys' outlook in terms of Adam Gase and the coaching staff here? Man, Adam Gase is the... Twitter equivalent of the person that everyone hates. He's the Adam Gase. I don't even know a Twitter human being equivalent of Adam Gase. That's just the cool thing to do right now is to say Adam Gase is the worst coach ever. He's going to be fired first. Everyone bet the under on the Jets, bro. People are just sleeping on the Jets because of the Jets, and they're hating on Gase because he's Adam Gase. When really, like you said, they were 7-6 and last year with Sam Darnold at the helm before he went through his mono bout. And the Jets were not that great of a team last year. Like, they were not... They have improved drastically this season. I know they just traded Jamal Adams, but that return was great. They got Bradley McDougal in return as well. And, well, offensively, though, I think Sam Darnold, everyone... Tim always says it. He's younger than Joe Burrow. He's who's 22 years old. And he could take a big step up in year three under the same system. He changed systems his second year as a 21-year-old in the NFL and played pretty well. So I think the Jets' offense is being slept on a bit, and I think they could be sneaky, sneaky, sneaky good this year for fantasy purposes. Let's take a look at that quarterback because it all begins and ends with the 22-year-old quarterback, Sam Darnold out of USC, his third year in the league, as you said. Now, a lot of people expected him to take a giant leap forward, um, Patrick Mahomes style, although there's only one Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson style. And Carson Wentz style. 
maybe something of that nature, right? Uh, a second-year quarterback who takes that leap in his second season. Unfortunately, that didn't happen for Sam Darnold. He didn't take that leap forward. But he did take steps forward. There were things that he got a lot better at. Um, you Like Michael said, he battled mono, so he had to – he missed four games to that was affected in two games because of that. So six games kind of out of the question. His offensive line was absolutely brutal, ranked 28th by PFF, pressured on 42.4% of his 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 dropbacks. So imagine you being 21 and being pressured in the NFL on almost half of your dropbacks. You're probably going to struggle as well. Uh, and the team around him was lackluster. When Robbie Anderson is your number one wide receiver, it's a recipe for disaster. Despite all this, there are some steps that he took forward. Like I said, he led the league. 10 touchdowns under pressure last year. Top 10 in the league in percentage of completions under pressure last year. In the second half, 13 touchdowns compared to only four picks with a passer rating of 93.5. He went 7-6 and six when he started. Showed progression in many, many ways. And the Jets will bring a completely new offensive line this year. They have a new receiver in Denzel Mims. They have a new receiver in Brashad Perriman. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what type of um, difference these new weapons makes, the new offensive line makes, and how Sam Darnold can improve. How do you guys think, uh, Sam Darnold, do you think he takes that giant leap that people were expecting to take last year? Uh, I think we need to quantify what giant leap means. Um, If I think the Patrick Mahomes-esque leap, no. I don't think he's going to be a weekly starter. Is he going to be a guy that you can start when he's facing lesser opponents? The Dolphins, perhaps? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think he's going to be that type of guy. The guy we saw at the end of last season, I think, is a guy we'll see this year. In the last eight games, Sam Darnold threw 14 touchdowns, five interceptions. He was the quarterback 10. That makes him a viable streaming candidate, and I think that's what he's going to be this year. Uh, If you look, let's discount the mono games. Before mono, he was was killing it against the Bills that first half, and then everything went haywire. Then he found out he had mono. So let's not really look at that. His rookie year, he was 25th in true throw value. He was 19th last season. He found an improvement there. But the thing is that he improved as he progressed into the season. That's what you want to see from a young guy. And people point out that it was a worse team, worse teams that he did it against, the Washington football team, um, the Dolphins, for example. The newly guess named what? Washington football the team. The Jets' offensive line was the worst offensive line, like maybe that we've seen on the Jets for a very long time. It was atrocious. Sam Darnold was running for his life every minute. So he had a bad offensive line and he beat bad defenses. Let's cancel that out. He's shown that he can do what he can do with what's provided to him. Mm-hmm. And now they added Mackay Beckton, Fant, McGovern, Van Roten, Cameron Clark. That's five new offensive linemen. That could be a whole new offensive line. Joe Douglas, baby. Tim already mentioned the new pieces on the outside. Forgot to mention Chris Herndon, who... Uh, Michael's going to talk about later. So there's a lot to work with for Sam Darnold here. If that offensive line is improved drastically, then we're going to see a drastic leap from Sam Darnold. And I think he's going to be on waiver wires this season. Speaking of that offensive line, not only was Sam Darnold affected by the weakness of that offensive line last year, so was Le'Veon Bell. You're talking about a guy who was a perennial first-round pick in fantasy. And last year he had his lowest yards, yards per carry, yards per cash, rushing TDs, and receiving TDs since his rookie season. So not a good season overall by Le'Veon Bell, but the consensus seems to be from everyone that, like, it's not his fault, right? Like, the Jets line allowed only .0.7 yards before contact last season. That was by far the worst in the league. 
especially with a guy like Le'Veon Bell's status and the way he runs, he needs an offensive line to wait behind and be patient behind and then make his move. He didn't have that last year. Despite that, he still ended as RB19, despite everything I just said. He's still going to be a workhorse. He's drafted at that exact position this year, RB19, at the end of the third round, beginning of the fourth. Can he be a steal at that spot? Tim, you're taking the words out of my mouth. Right oh, now, yeah. he has the 20th ADP for running backs. I think we're all super in love Last with Last season, literally worst case scenario, awful offensive line. David fails as his quarterback. Guys, that game against the Eagles, I think it was, the Jets had a better chance of scoring on a pick six than when they were on offense. Yeah, It was the oh, yeah. worst performance I've ever seen. You could call offense. it an epic fails. All of the... <laughs> Jeez. All of the shit Tim just said about how uh, I, I lost my train of thought because it's epic fails thing. This offense, oh, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell, career horse in almost every category. And he was still the running back 19. Look past that a little bit. You'll see three straight seasons with at least 65 receptions. The hope is that Adam Gase uses Le'Veon Bell a little bit more outside this year, get some slot receptions there. But he still had over 65 receptions last year and almost 1,400 yards. You know why he's being drafted as running back 20? Because he had four touchdowns. You know what's the hardest statistic that to um, be sticky year over year? Touchdowns. If Le'Veon Bell had 10 touchdowns last year, he'd be being drafted as running back 10, maybe even 100%. higher. Take Le'Veon Bell where he's going right now and reap the benefits. I agree absolutely about Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I, I think Le'Veon Bell is being drastically underdrafted. I mean, it's it's because he burned a lot of people. Whenever you have a situation where you get where you have a like you get burned by someone, like like we see this kind of thing with James Conner too. James Conner burned a lot of people, but there's no reason to think that James Conner shouldn't have the exact same opportunity that he had last year. This time with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger, but he's still going way later. So it's the burn factor in fantasy football as well. Let's go over to the receivers, wide receiver. Let's start all reliable. Jamison Crowder, over 800 yards and six touchdowns despite missing time with the epic fails at quarterback. Uh, 78 catches, led the team. To me, he's the perfect number four wide receiver that I want to fill in for a guy who might be injured or a guy who might uh, miss with a bye week. Uh, what's your thoughts on Jamison Crowder? So when it comes to Jamison, Rashad Perriman is the guy I really want to talk about, but fine, since he started with Crowder, we'll get there. I'll we'll start get there. with we'll Crowder. Get there. We'll get there. Jamison Crowder last season was the 33rd wide receiver in half PPR leagues. Uh, we're, I'm, when I say the rankings throughout the entire, we're talking about half PPR leagues when we go through rankings here, just to make that clear. Yes, for sure. He was a 33rd wide receiver in half PPR leagues last year, 45th in points per game, so not as good. But he had three games that Sam Darnold didn't play in. David Fails, Epic Fails was the quarterback, four for 40, two for 25, and two for 10 in those games. If you discount those games, which Solid. rightfully so, he averages double digits per game, 10.9, 32nd overall in points per game, mid-range wide receiver three. His current ADP is wide receiver 50. Makes no sense. On top of that, Adam Gase throughout his career, his favorite red zone target, as odd as this may seem, the slot receiver. Jamison Crowder is just sitting there for the taking at ADP of wide receiver 50, and you should absolutely gobble him up while you can. We saw that a lot with Jarvis Landry, right? Jarvis Landry was that type of guy who just kept getting peppered and peppered and peppered and peppered and peppered in targets. That's why we like Jameson Crowder last year. That's why we like Jameson Crowder going into this year. Again, but this, I mean, we're, don't draft him to be your number one overall wide receiver. But as a wide receiver three mid-range, you can get late in drafts. I think Jameson Crowder is a good pick and as well. And PPR leagues go even to, more valuable. And if you go running back yeah, heavy in exactly. the beginning of the draft, I'm loving Crowder as your wide receiver three. It's going to be consistent 
points there while you're running backs. Go crazy for me. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Michael, so let's get to the guy that you've been wanting to talk about for a while now. You don't even know. It's Brashad Perriman. Okay, so Brashad Perriman, the question is, is this guy the guy that we saw last year that at the last five games of the season, when he had a chance to start, was not only good, he was great. He was a wide receiver one, twice, including a number one overall finish and a number three overall finish. He was a wide receiver two, twice, and a wide receiver three, once. So playable every single year. Or is he the first round bust that we saw with the Ravens and that we saw not get any playing time with the Browns? That's the real question. So, Michael, how do you feel about Brashad Perriman going into the year? Which guy do you see going forward? So, Brashad Perriman, I wanted to see, was this guy truly a bust or was it also just circumstance where he was playing at the time? So, he was drafted in 2016, the first round, by the Ravens. At UCF, he was a big-time downfielder. That's where he made his money. He averaged 21 yards per reception his final two seasons at UCF. In 2016, Joe Flacco had a yards per attempt of 6.4. Absolutely disgusting. Only better than Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky last year. In 2017, you're thinking it can't get any worse. Whew. Do I have a surprise for you? 5.7 yards per attempt. That would have been dead Ooh. last. Less than the, the Duck Hodges of the world last season. Absolutely Gross. disgusting. He was booted from Baltimore after that. He headed over to Cleveland. Baker Mayfield had a yards per attempt of 7.7. He was very good his rookie year. Middle of the pack in yards per attempt. But Perriman didn't play much. When he did play... 16 receptions for 340 yards. That's an elite 21 yards per reception. So he got the job done downfield. Moves over to Tampa. Didn't play much in the beginning, but guess what? He has Jameis Winston, the gunslinging, hash-slinging slasher Jameis Winston, who loves to throw downfield. 8.2 yards per attempt. Good for fifth in the league last season. Godwin and Evans get hurt. Prashad Perriman finally gets his shot. Guess what? He plays 61% of the snaps in Week 13, 5 for 87. Goes up to 80% of the snaps, 3 for 70 and a touchdown. Goes up to 93% of the snaps, 5 for 113 and 2 touchdowns. Next two weeks, he played virtually every single snap, 7 for 102 and 5 for 134. Now he goes to Sam Darnold. Darnold had 6.9 yards per attempt last year, 22nd in the league, but a lot of that had to do with circumstance too. Joe Douglas just brought in five new offensive linemen. He has... A downfield threat now with Brashad Perriman. He should take a step up second year in the Adam Gase system. Adam Gase throughout his career has been in the top half of the league and throwing downfield. Brashad Perriman's ADP is wide receiver 66. Sign me up all day for Brashad Perriman at that spot. Yeah, I feel like the Jets, especially if Sam Darnold takes that next step that we think that he is capable of taking, don't have a wide receiver one type guy in fantasy but could have three wide receiver three type guys. So let's get to the number three guy on that list, and that's Denzel Mims. Rookie wide receiver, drafted in the second round. Um, one of our favorites going into the draft, uh, he showed and he flashed a whole bunch of uh, skills at Baylor. Good route runner, great at the point of attack, ca- spectacular catches all the way, fast, can run routes. And when you put all that together, you get a pretty good wide receiver, and he's going to have the chance. He's right now going to be slotted as that number two wide receiver if everything holds the way it is. It's going to be hard to tell right now because no preseasons and closed training camps to the public. So it's going to be a lot of guessing. But if you could guess right now, it's Denzel Mims is going to be the number two wide receiver for the Jets. He'll have uh, an opportunity. So how do you feel about Denzel Mims going forward? Yeah, Mims is a just athletic freak. 6'3", 207, Mims? ran a 4'3", 40 at the combine. Had a tremendous senior bowl where he really got on the radar for – a lot of guys because he showed he's not just that 
I run streaks and that's it type of guy. He played all four years at Baylor, so he's not an early declare, which makes him more valuable to possibly uh, operate as a successful receiver right away in the league. And as all everything I just told you about Rashad Perriman holds true for Denzel Mims here. Like, if Perriman is actually a bust and sucks, first off, you're drafting him in like the 14th, 15th round, so it doesn't matter. Why not just take Perriman and Mims in like the 14th and 15th round? One of them is going to hit. It's guaranteed that one of them hits. They're both the same type of guy. They're big. They're going to go downfield. They're going to catch it. Mims has better go up and get it ability, but he's also a field stretcher as well. Sign me up all day for Denzel Mims too. ADP of wide receiver 73. I think it's a great idea to get Mims and uh, and Perriman at the end of your drafts. Mims? So talking about the field stretchers, we talked about those guys. Let's go to the middle of the field now. Let's talk about a guy who's on the return, Chris Herndon. He's flashed in his first in his rookie year. He had great rapport with Sam Darnold. He was everyone's favorite sleeper pick at tight end last season, but he got into some trouble, missed the first four games. Then after those first four games, one thing we always mention is that when players come back from suspension, if they don't keep themselves in the right frame of mind, a soft tissue injury is always a risk. And that's exactly what happened to him. He got a soft tissue injury, missed the rest of the season. Is this the year that he breaks out? Because now he's flying completely under the radar. No yeah. one's talking about him. So is Chris Herndon an option here? Chris Herndon's ADP tight end 25 right now. Dude, in 2018, Chris Herndon, 39 receptions for 502 yards. We always talk about how bad rookie tight ends typically are. I went back to two, the year 2000. Since 2000, 12 tight ends have put up 500 receiving yards in their rookie season. I'm going to spit out 12 ni- names right here. Keep up with me. George Kittle, Dwayne Allen, Dustin Keller, Rob Gronkowski, Mark Andrews, Tony Moiaki. Remember? Shout out KC. Noah Fant, Aaron Hernandez, Tim Wright, John Carlson, Evan Ingram, Jeremy Shockey. Some very, very good players in there. Some you think, uh, not the, not so good. John Carlson, bro. <laughs> Chris Herndon, though, was fourth in yards per reception. Let's see who this knocks out. Ahead of Chris Herndon in yards per reception, Mark Andrews, Noah Fant, Rob Gronkowski. The three behind him, Aaron Hernandez, Jeremy Shockey, George Kittle. There go the rest of the bus. Every single person there is great. John Carlson. Chris Herndon is absolutely set up as long as he's healthy to be a complete steal at tight end 25. Tight end 25. That's bench in two tight end leagues. Go grab Chris Herndon for free. I want to like caveat something here because people would be like, oh, well, these guys, they admitted they were Jets fans. I'm hoping you're wearing a Jets hat, right? They admitted they were Jets fans, so they might be overrating the Jets. We're not telling you to go out and spend these these early picks and these Jets guys. Yeah. You got guys here that you can get in late rounds that might break out for you. And if they don't, then you've wasted a 15th round pick. Who cares? Dude, Le'Veon Bell. First off, Le'Veon Bell is getting disrespected, like Jason said, a third, fourth round pick. And then no one else is in the single digit rounds. Maybe Crowder. Maybe you'll take him in the ninth round. But he's falling to the 10th round too. And then Paramount and Mims are like 14th, 15th rounders. And Chris Herndon is undrafted so mims is usually undrafted too depending how deep you're Man, we're gonna be going mims? a lot in the next <laughs> few years yes we are this is why he's hot um so let's get to our last category the one injury away category coronavirus is in the air people already opting out 
of the season. So whether it's opt-outs, whether it's someone being in the vicinity of someone else with coronavirus, which puts them on the coronavirus list, or actually getting coronavirus, we're going to have injuries on that end, and also just regular injuries. So if there's a yeah. guy that's one injury away, who are you going with? Jason, we haven't heard from you in a while. Let's start with you. Who's your one injury away guy? Yeah, this is probably the most obvious choice for the Jets. It's little Michael P. Ryan. Um, behind Le'Veon Bell, we said we talk about everyone. I didn't talk about these guys on purpose because I was waiting now. Behind Le'Veon Bell is LaMichael Pirine and Frank Gore. For some reason, Adam Gase went out and got Frank Gore. His Dolphins to mentor Pirine. No, it's very annoying. I don't want Frank Gore on the Jets. But, because he's probably going to take some carries away. But if Le'Veon Bell goes down, Frank Gore is not going to be the workhorse back. The guy who's going to catch passes. The guy who's going to... Get the first and second down carries for the Jets. Yeah. Or the third down carries. He's going to be a change of pace back. The guy's 88 years old. So, LaMichael Pirine, who the Jets drafted this year, even though they have Le'Veon Bell because they know they need a backup running back, they saw what happens when you have bad backups last year, is obviously the number one injury candidate away, and he's probably a decent handcuff for people drafting handcuffs. If Le'Veon Bell goes down, as I mentioned, he had 65 catches last season, and Frank Gore is not going to go out and run routes and beat defenders. So, LaMichael Pirine is also a decent runner in, uh, in Florida. He had, he was a decent running back. He was drafted fourth overall. He's not uh, fourth round. He's not going to break open the bank, but even just if he's given the carries that Le'Veon Bell was getting, he's going to be a streaming candidate as a flex play. I agree. My guy was LaMichael Pirine. Michael, who's your guy? No, yeah, it has to be Pirine. But I was also going to throw Denzel Mims in there because if Perriman were to get hurt, Mims has to be that field-stretching guy and could end up being a valuable free piece. So that was our first episode of the Summer Heat Wave. The New York Jets, keep with us. We're going 32 teams in 32 days. Uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about the Buffalo Bills. Follow us on Twitter, at Roto Fantasy. You could follow us individually on Twitter. Uh, Michael, where can they find you? At Broto FF Mike. At Broto Jason? FF Jason. And you can find me at BrotoFFTim. See what we did there. Don't forget BrotoFantasy.com and uh, Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy for extras. Until tomorrow, we'll see you later. Peace. Later. Peace.